What's up, everybody? It is the girl Taisha with Afro Vocative, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Sit Black and Watch. Shout out to all of my faithful listeners. Um, I really appreciate you guys. You know, I've been gone for like, I think, a month and a half now, <laughs> probably more, closer to two months. Um, I was on a mental health break. I decided that, you know, I just needed some time away to figure out my branding with the podcast and um, some of my own personal things. That sound you hear in the background is um, a fire detector. Um, I'm filming in at my friend's house and not in the studio like I normally do. So, you know, you're going to hear some stuff in the background, but it's all good. You know how it is. I don't have the money if you got some coins and you want to, you know, put me in the studio. Thank you. Um, but I have a special guest this week. This is a friend from high school, Kevin. You want to introduce yourself? Hello, my name is Kevin. It's actually junior high. Oh, yeah. Seventh yes. Grade. Yes. Yes. We've known each other since seventh grade. Yeah, Bogle <laughs> Junior High. Bogle Bulldogs. <laughs> oh, Bogle my God. <laughs> yeah, so I, um, I met Kevin in... Um, in middle school in Arizona um and we've known each other since and I became uh yeah yeah, 2000 and no 2000 2003 2004 2004 yeah yeah you're right yeah um and I ended up becoming best friends with his cousin who I didn't meet until high school so um yeah I'm here at their house for the the I've been here for two weeks now going home soon going back to always New York um but yeah I decided to have him on because we've been watching some amazing shows so we're gonna get into like power and all of that but first let's get into the strong black lead of the week so uh this week my strong black lead goes out to Lizzo I did not get a chance to watch the Grammys however I do know that mama pulled in three Grammys out of her eight nominations and um that was Sunday's Night Grammy, Grammy Awards. Um, she was the most of any artist nominated this year outside of, I think, Billie Eilish. Um, and during the awards, she did her performance of Jerome. Or no, I'm sorry. Is it Jerome or is it Because I Love You? I think it's Because I Love You. And she, at the beginning of her performance, you know, did a, a small, like, shout out to Kobe. Rest in peace to him and his daughter, Gianna Bryant. Um, but she won for Best Traditional R&B Performance for Jerome and Best Urban Contemporary Album and also Best Pop Solo. And I know a lot of people have their um, opinions about Lizzo not being R&B, not being soul, not necessarily being rap. They feel like she's one of the pop girls. And um, I personally don't. I think I, I find her music to be... Um, not something you can place into just one category. Like, I feel like she has elements of rap. Yeah, like, I feel like, to me, I would say her music is soul laced with rap and um, rock influence and um, some pop influence as well. I would say it's more pop rap, not like rap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like this, yeah, I feel like it's definitely like pop rap. Um, But congratulations, Lizzo, you deserve. And, you know, I'm just... Super happy to be a fan of somebody who I feel looks like me for the first time in life outside of probably Missy Elliott. We have a plus size woman who loves her body and, and her look is very different than Missy's. Like, you know, mm-hmm. she's more of like the Meg the Stallion where she's provocative, she shows more skin. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
as a plus size girl, like I really, really enjoy that. She was like um, the new wave of uh, Monique at the 2005 yeah. BT Awards when she came out to Beyonce. Yes, yes, absolutely. So um, speaking of Monique, we're going to get into our sit black culture, which is our hot topics. Um, so Monique has a special coming out on Showtime. Um, she will have her first stand-up special in 10 years. It is called Monique and Friends Live from Atlanta, and it comes on February 7th on Showtime. Um, I'm really excited about this because I'm a fan of Monique's, and um, I was on Team Monique in the whole versus Oprah Tyler Perry Lee Daniels situation because I felt like she needs to be vindicated. Um, that she was wrongfully blackballed. Um, you know, Hollywood always says that it's hard to work with black women who have attitudes or whatever it is. And then, you know, it came out that um, Lee Daniels basically lied on her and called her difficult because she told him, pay me. And, you know, pay yeah. me for my time and my money or I'm not showing up. And um, basically, there was that whole thing with Netflix and them basically being like, oh, we we are not going to give you a certain amount of money. And, and Monique basically was like, um, yeah, I have this caliber of whatever, you know, this credit credibility, um, check my resume. You need to be paying me this, this, that, and the third. There was a lot of public backlash because people felt like, well, what have you done lately? And you should just be happy that they're offering you anything. Yeah. So like, how do you, how do you feel, um, in regards to, you know, this this um, special coming up, because I showed you a little bit of the clip. Um, like, are you excited? How do you well, feel? Well, I love Monique. I am a fan of her work. Uh, I am definitely looking forward to seeing it. And um, But it also kind of seemed like the same thing that Chen and E had us had, like, yeah. know, introducing other comedians. Yeah. To mm -hmm. basically give them a platform and a spotlight to basically shine. Um, but I know with that backlash with that Oprah Winfrey, I didn't fully investigate, but I know she had an issue with, like, her bringing, Oprah had her bringing off family mm -hmm. members. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With basically family issues that was, like, swept under the rug and stuff. So yeah. I do agree with her 20%. I mean, but it's kind of unfortunate yeah. you're, you're going up against a machine. Like, yeah, exactly. And you're literally bringing a knife to a shootout. Like, <laughs> Mama, you don't have the ammo. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I do believe that her, her strongest um, credibility in this whole thing was having the receipts and showing where, you know, Tyler Perry, like how she kind of called Tyler Perry out yeah. and he um, reneged on what he said yeah. and, and, and then finally it's, apologized. It's Hollywood and it's a big machine and... Yeah. When you fight it, you, you're probably not going to win. Right. Yeah. And and so, I mean, this is this is definitely a win for her in my book. Like, because people, yes, Netflix is this big giant, but Netflix is not the end-all, be-all. There's yeah. also Hulu. And again, you, going to actual cable networks, um, I think, is, a, you know, a different platform. I like the fact that she did do the route that Tiffany Haddish did where she's bringing other comedians on. So, um she will have, I think, a total of five comedians. There's Donnell Rawlings, who we know from the Dave Chappelle show. Yeah. Super, super funny. Um, there's Prince T-Dub. I've never heard of him before. Tone X, Corey Bell, and Just Niche. Um, so those those other comedians I have not heard of before, but when I watched the clip, it did look funny. Um so yeah, I'm I'm super excited about that. Like, I want Monique to get back in the spotlight because she's a talented comedian, an amazing actress. I think that the work that she's done in film so far, I've never seen Monique in a role that I didn't like. 
Yeah, she she embodies her roles very, very well. Yeah, I think she's an actress that transitions between drama and comedy very well. And I think that she totally deserves the career that somebody like Queen Latifah has when it comes to acting. Mm -hmm. And how Queen Latifah has done comedic roles and dramatic roles. Very versatile in that. Yeah, Yeah. and and does them very, very well. Um, So moving on to our next topic... Let's see, what are we talking about? Oh, Issa Rae. So, as many of you know, I am a big fan of Issa Rae on this show. I stand for her. I love Insecure. If you follow me on social media at Afrovocative, then you know I um, put in my little bid to try to become a PA for season four on Insecure with my homegirl, Kirby. Uh, we did not get picked, unfortunately, but that's okay because there's another. There's always next season. Um, but, um, yeah, season four trailer just came out I think that was like last week or the week before last and it is coming back in April I believe and I'm so 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 excited so it's like one of my favorite shows one of the shows that I feel like I relate to the most um I like the trailer because to me I feel like well I'm happy that Mira bitch is back like the fact that last season I think we only seen her rap like twice last season I was missing that because to me that always brings in that like factor of awkward black girl when it was just a YouTube show so that's the thing that always ties back in that comedy for me. Um, but you see with her outfits, like clearly it's like an upgrade. She's that no longer right, she's no longer a broke bitch. And she's like, okay, she I got, got her a coin. She yeah. in her bag now. Yeah, she's like, I got a new job. She said time to level up like an elevator. <laughs> yeah. Maybe grow her way up. Right. Penthouse. <laughs> yeah, she she um her just based on her looks like she got new clothes. She moved into a new apartment last season. Um, she kind of rid herself of the Lawrence drama and the Daniel drama, and then the guy that ghosted her. Um, I forget his name on the show, uh, but she's in a new headspace. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, the thing about Insecure for me, why I feel like I go so hard for it, and why I feel like I relate to it so much, is because I feel like I've been transitioning in my own goal the same way that Issa has. Like when the first season started, I had broken up with my boyfriend at the time and I was going through a heartbreak. So I remember tweeting Issa like during season one and season two. And I was like, every week that this show comes on, I cry every week. And I feel like I'm going through a therapeutic thing. Like as she was trying to, you know, get back with Dan, uh, Lawrence and then she got with Daniel, you know, and I like when she was all in season two, when she was like, ooh, whole phase. And, um, and in season three, you know, whole phase, I was going through my whole phase too. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I really related to, um, the character, you know, in general. So I'm like super excited to see what the new job has for her. If they're, I really want them to bring Daniel back. Like, I like Elon Noel as an actor. Oh, mm-hmm. He is fine. Yes, he is. That's bae. And he got an Instagram now. And he darker than an oil spill in Saudi Arabia. Shit. Oh my goodness, I cannot. But I love Issa's, like, her subtle facial expressions. They just kill me and they get me every time. It's just like, because it is, like, awkward and mm-hmm. I kind of do feel like I relate to it too. It's just like, oh my God, just imagine. She she has a very good way of putting you in her situation. Yeah. And like like and her reactions are like my reaction is somewhere along those lines. Yeah. Are like I totally get it. I relate. Like oh yeah. my god, that's me, my spirit animal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I think I. Lisa, what's on fleek? And then she like had like 
Yeah, I think um, Issa embodies a lot of like people who are a little awkward and but they blossom really well around their friends and their friends just accept their awkwardness. It's like they don't get they have like this hidden power that they just don't yeah. know and it just kinda comes out. Yeah, yeah. So I think um what are your what are your predictions for like season four? What do you want where would you like it to go character wise? Um Well I know Issa was yeah, I forgot the dude's name, but she yeah. uh, he was in that taxi, had all that drama. Oh yeah. yeah and then Pickles was smoking that blood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they went skinny was... in the pool. Yeah. Oh, and then I'm I'm really interested to see where Molly's relationship was gonna go with Oh, um, Asian Bay. Yeah. Asian um, Bay. Yeah. He's really nice. Um and then what else? Um so there was, so Molly, you know, she apologized to Asian Bay because he basically told her, like, you want all this control and you're just doing a lunch. And she, you know, humbled herself, apologized. So it looks like they, I know he's coming back just from looking at the um, Insecure HBO page. He'll be back. Yeah, but no, also her messing with the man that's married. And like, oh, drove, drove. Your, yes, drove. Like, yeah. Because now she's catching feelings before she wasn't. And yeah. And now she is. Yeah. And I, I believe that's what I'm I know the, the thing about and I, she did kind of like cut Drow off a little bit last season, but um, I'm I really I, I like see this is the thing I like the actor Seramis, but I just hate his character Drow. Like I want Drow to go away yeah. because I love Molly's character and I honestly see a little bit of myself in Molly because Molly is like uh what I would call like a beautiful disaster. She is so well put together, but internally Molly is a mess. Yeah. And she needs to get her shit together. It's it's funny because it's like Issa is a mess on the outside, but internally I think Issa has more peace and like uh solitude than Molly does. Mm-hmm. Whereas like Molly's life on the outside seems so perfect. She's got this you know, nice little place that she lives in, car, you know, yeah, nothing's really going wrong. Yeah. Exactly. Um so I think it's been really interesting just to see their friendship dynamic as well. Um, I do want to see more of <laughs> Natasha, um, who plays, um, why can I never remember her name? The, 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 the plus size friend. I can never remember her name on the damn show. Oh yeah. Um, but she's like growth. That's growth. like yeah, yeah. Um, I I love her character. Um, and I just want to see more of her just because she's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like she to me is probably the funniest on the show. And I know I think she's she has a reckless mouth. That's yeah. Like, right. 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 So I would what like everybody's thinking. I would like to see them give her a little bit more backstory and depth. Um, I know the show isn't focused on her, but I feel like because they gave. Um, Amanda Seals character a little bit of uh, Tiffany Dubois that's the uh, name of the character they gave her character a little bit of backstory with her being pregnant and the whole thing with her husband I would like to see them do that for Natasha's character because I don't want her to be stereotyped as just like the funny fat friend yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and so I would love, I mean, they gave her a love interest. Um, I think that was last season. Um, no, maybe that was season two. Season two, they gave her that one guy love interest towards the end of the season. But I'm like, no, give her like a little consistent or, you know, just give her, give her something more. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm super excited for season four. That comes out, um, when does season four come out? 
I don't know. Season four comes out in April, I think. Um, but yeah, I think um, Issa constantly pushes the the gap for us, and and she's doing some great things. You know, she's gonna be in a role um, for this other film. I forget the name of it, but um, I said yes, Issa. Like you better be out here booking white women roles because I think the more she pushes herself to become like a household name and 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 the thing is Issa really puts on for black people like i think that she everything does. she does is for us mm -hmm. it's for our culture but she's doing it in such a way that i think she's accepted by white people in a sense and it's pushing her into a more mainstream she's platform trojan horsing yeah so, you know the trojan horse yeah and the black people into Hollywood. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think so. And I, uh, this um, film that she has coming out um, where she's married to the guy and they like witness a murder happen. Um, it looks like it's going to be funny. And, and it's a role that I could have seen a white woman being cast in, which is why I'm like happy that it's a it's a, a, a brown skinned black woman. And um, it looks funny as hell. Um, yeah, hopefully because um I mean, it should be funny. She's very funny, but I, I I don't know what it was called. But it was with Tiffany Haddish, and she had like this white husband. The oh, chemistry yeah. was awkward. It was oh just my so cringeworthy. I, I was like, oh, watching that. turn this shit off. <laughs> I was like, no, ma'am. <laughs> I, I actually started watching that. That was called. Um... Don't watch. <laughs> Pass I, go collect two hundred dollars. Oh my goodness, that's so funny. I, I remember Roll like blunt and get some wings. It's on Hulu. <laughs> it's on Hulu and I was not really feeling it. Um I forget the, the main actor's name, but that movie was crap, what was that movie called? The Oath. And it was supposed to be like a movie. Excuse Excuse me. A movie about like political, like I guess their their family is like some political stuff or whatever. I don't know. I got like fifteen minutes in and I turned it off. Um, Sounds but, about right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, that's enough of Issa. We're gonna move on to a more pressing issue when we're talking about movies that are hell no. Tyler Perry's A Fall from Grace is on Netflix now. So I mean, I don't encourage you all to watch it, but you know, if you wanna understand what we're talking about, the depths of what we're about to talk about, then I guess you guys can go ahead and watch it. Um, it has a lot of continuity issues. It's very inconsistent, but Tyler admitted that it was made in five days. Um, I don't know what major motion picture film is being made in five days. Please don't do this. If you're not an indie... This play is we're not made in five days. And exactly. And be made in five days. Exactly. My thing is... If he's not an indie filmmaker, you know what I mean? So you have these big budgets. There's no reason why your film should be made in five days. Especially when you open that big old plantation uh, <laughs> studio. <laughs> right. Like, there's no reason why you own you own the, the place where you're shooting. You own the uh, production studio where you are shooting. Why is this being shot and rushed in five days? Why are you the only one who is the writer, the director, and the producer, baby? You yes. cannot wear all those hats. Come on, Tyler. The girls are about to say shashay away. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't, I don't understand why he has such a hard time opening up his doors to help develop other black creators and writers. And I feel like I may have talked about this on an episode I, before. Like, he had to have watched that. And, like, how did you, how did you okay that? 
Okay, but you know, some people say, well, I think Tyler feels like, and he has said this, um, I was reading an article, um, a journalist interviewed him, and he basically was like, people complain about it, but I'm still making money from it, and if it ain't broke, don't fix it, because he said when he tried to have a writer's room, those two seasons of one of his shows were his lowest rated seasons. But my thing about it is, did you give it time to, to, yeah, to flourish, you know, give your viewers time to adjust to the new things that you're trying to do. But then, you know, it's been said that Tyler writes for aunties, you know, Tyler writes films for (laughs) old women who go to church and Mm -hmm. that watch soaps. And that's about it. That's all that they're into. It's Medea content. Yeah, basically. Um, so, you know, the big the big issue on social media right now with the fall, uh, movie A Fall From Grace is that... He um, fell from grace. <laughs> well, it's TV that... He has fell from grace, y'all. It's that his wigs, um, the wigs, and I showed you a picture of the wig that Makad had on. They're horrible. Like, a lot of people were like, why wouldn't you just keep Makad bald? I hope I'm saying his name right. But why wouldn't you just keep him bald? Because he naturally has a bald head. Why would you throw that 1980s high top, medium top, whatever you want to call it, on him? Mm -hmm. Like, it was horrible. Yeah, yeah. It looked like, I'm like, now we've seen man wigs on Instagram. I've seen some really good man wigs. Oh, that, that Shamar Moore he had on in Diary of the Man Black Woman with cornrows. Yes. I, it, look, it just feels like Tyler Perry hates hair and makeup artists. And, he, and, this, and there's a recent interview with the actress that plays Grace in the film where she said her and Tyler kind of went back and forth a lot about the wig situation because she was like, I'm very, you know, protective over my hair and things like that. And Tyler basically told the interviewer, well, I told her coming on set, get it done before we start filming. And as long as it's done, you know, before we start filming, it doesn't interfere with anything. I don't got no reason to worry about it. I'm not about to go over budget and spend this much on wig. But but like someone in a Facebook group that I'm in uh, brought up a really great point. They're like, if you're the writer, director, and producer, it's kind of your job to worry about the hair and makeup on on set and who you're hiring and how it looks and make sure that it's consistent. So why do you feel like you don't have to? it's believable. Exactly. It's it's on film. It needs to be believable. Exactly. Why do you feel like you don't have to invest money? Um, And that goes into a bigger issue in film about budget and who they think deserves to be paid. And to, to me, from his own mouth, it seems like Tyler feels like hair and makeup are things that he doesn't need to put that much money in. And that's like undervaluing people that do special effects, people that do, you know, hair um, mm-hmm. hair and makeup artists. Just like sloppy and lazy. Exactly. Ultimately sloppy and lazy. Because you live in Atlanta, baby. That's like the number one hair capital for weaves. They got helicopter weaves in Atlanta. <laughs> helicopter weaves. It's, it's just, it's laughable because to me it's just like, you, you just don't care. And the fact that you are making money, you feel like that is your excuse to continue to give like low budget. Mediocre content. Yeah. And mediocre performance. Exactly. And, and it sucks because he does. It's weird to me that like 
he you his plays are what blew him up as a, um, a creator. And I, I will say this: I love his plays. Yeah, I, I I will watch his plays just about any day. Of the high week. school reunion is my favorite one. High school reunion. Yeah, the, the high school reunion he had at the hotel. I don't think I've seen that one. Yeah, that was like in one of the early plays that he had on. It was like high school reunion, and it was in that like hotel. Oh it was wait, yes, yes, hotel yes. Lobby. Yeah, I don't. Was that what it was called? I believe it was high school reunion. Oh, okay, Medea's, Medea's high school reunion. I think I've only seen that one like once or twice. Yeah, that one was like my favorite one. Yeah, my favorite I would have to say was like Meet the Browns. I love the Meet the Browns play, and I've always liked I Can Do Battle by Myself the play. Those are the those two were my favorite. I I really like the Meet the Browns one because that's where we got the This is Show Friendly. Yeah, wow. I, yeah, I love that. I loved when they were in the church and they do the um because you know uh Tony Braxton's sister was in that um not Tawanda Trina Tracy? Trina Trina was in that one. Trina was the skinny girl who was the mistress um uh, with the, the the dark skin guy. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah that oh was God, Trina Braxton. That. Yep, that was Trina Braxton. And I just remember when they sing the song, um, Ain't nothing like a good man Loving his woman and strong in his mm-hmm. stairs. I, like, love that song. I love that whole, like, I love that cast. Um, but, yeah, I, I wish Tyler Perry would, like, I don't know, put more effort into his films, maybe the way that he did his plays. I don't know if maybe he is just a one-dimensional writer and maybe like the reasons why his shows lack quality in the writing aspect is in his films lack quality in the writing aspect is because he is a stage writer, a sta- uh, was it a stage play writer or whatever the correct term is? Um, because he does, he does really great stage plays, but when it comes to his films, I'm just like, and that's not to say all of them because a family that prays, I like that movie. Oh, that was the one with um, Sanai Lathan and um, Alfre Woodard, uh, Kathy Bates. Um, that was like a really funny. Oh, when she was sleeping with him, but he wasn't gonna leave his family for Sanai yes, Lathan. Yeah, and then um, Kathy Bates was like um, the mother. The mother, the, yep. CEO or whatever, and right. he tried to overthrow basically, her. Basically, he took the the a family that prays and made it to the have and have nots because that's what that they're they like I never very similar. The have nots. I have I've like I've seen one episode mm-hmm. and it's it's yeah. But I think you know sometimes people need to see that maybe Tyler Perry has hit his peak. Yeah. Um, but the contact that he provides is for some people is not cutting it. But then obviously, like he said, like you know if it's broke don't fix it. Some people are okay with that kind of content. Yeah. And that stuff because. Oh my god, I remember Aunt Bobby had this one first. Like, do you see the Medea movies? <laughs> like, Medea. It's Medea. She's like, Medea. It's Medea. <laughs> yeah, like, I, he definitely makes he definitely makes films for aunties and grandmas and, like, church people and people who love soap operas, like the mm-hmm. soap stories, because I hate soaps. And um, so, therefore, that is probably why I don't like a lot of his TV shows. Um, but also, before we end on this topic, I think, for me... I think Tyler Perry is such a powerful force in Hollywood and he's doing his own thing and building his own legacy and entity, but then he doesn't open the doors up for other blacks outside of um, being actors to like really work on his sets. You know, like he said the reason why he doesn't have writer's room on his um, shows is because he tried one time and the union... um, 
tried to sue him or something, or he got in trouble with the union because the way the writers were writing, he felt like they were purposely writing, doing bad writing to, um, and I say that in air quotes, they were doing bad writing to just get paid. And um, he said he kept asking for rewrites and he felt like the rewrites weren't things that he liked. Now here, from my, from my perspective, my issue is, Yes, you are the creative director, but you have a writer's room for a reason, and you should be open to where, you know, with their rewrites and things like that. Um, of course, it's it's not you writing, so yeah, it's not going to be 100% your way when you have a writer's room, mm -hmm. but I don't know, he, I think well, he just needs controlling. You've made your points, I want something along these lines, yeah. fill it in, yeah. and see who comes up with the best plot, plot twist, or whatever, whatever it may be. Yeah, so um, I just think that he could do better. Like, you know, Issa and uh, Lena Waithe are doing a really great job in um, <clears throat> making things, you know, more diverse in Hollywood for uh, people of color. And the reason why I say people of color because Lena has really focused on um, giving LGBTQ writers uh, a chance, which I think is super dope because that is super needed in Hollywood. And Issa, on the other hand, really does focus on black writers, directors, and producers and has been opening that up with, you know, the stuff that she does with web series and things like that. Um, but yeah, Tyler, I need you, you know, to get it together. But um, moving forward, uh, it's going to get a little heavy just for a second. Um, I would like to talk a little bit about the recent tragedy with uh, Kobe Bryant and his daughter, Gianna Bryant, and the other seven people that died in the helicopter crash yesterday. So uh, we got news around, I think, Sunday, 11 a.m., Somewhere, yeah, like Sunday, 11, 11.30 a.m. So um, yeah, I was so scrolling on Instagram, and uh, I saw, you know, Kobe Bryant just died. And I'm like, what the fuck? So I'm shoot over to Twitter because I've realized out of all the social platforms, Twitter always gets news first. Like, I don't know why, but... Twitter is like a really like a news source in a sense when it comes to like checking to see what is going on here and people because it's so instant. First, first, uh, first frontline news. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very it's instant. Twitter's faster than the news. <laughs> it is. It really is. It is so instant. So TMZ was the first to break the story that. Kobe Bryant was in the helicopter crash. Now, I don't know what deal with the devil TMZ done signed, but they have just about any and everybody in their pocket. And um, they reported that Kobe Bryant um, was had died and that there were four other people in the helicopter. Now, that is where they were incorrect because it was actually a total of nine people, including Kobe and his daughter. Um, and... Um, they, but I will say they were the most accurate in compared to ESPN and ABC because ESPN then went and reported that um, Rick Fox was in the helicopter. So when I read that, I lost it and I was just bawling because I was like, wait, so we done lost Kobe and Rick Fox? Fortunately, Rick Fox was not in the helicopter, and that was something that was um, misinformed um, from ESPN. But then ABC, their dumbasses, reported that all three of Kobe's daughters were in the helicopter. 
I'm like, oh, and so, you know, there's this issue Don't when we talk about, okay, listen, there's this issue where we talk about um, having, being consistent and being accurate versus being first. And it seems like a lot of news outlets have started to bend when it comes to their ethics and their morality because they want to be first. They want to be first and they want to break the story first and they don't wait till they get all of the facts correct. Um, and so it's very unfortunate because we don't know if Vanessa Bryant was contacted by police first or if she heard the news with everybody else via social media. And I know that that has to be a tough thing to like. Especially not knowing if it's true or not. Like this is what they're just saying. Right, right. To to find out that your loved ones, your are dead via social media. Like I can't even imagine um, what that feels like. But I know for me as someone who, while I was not a basketball fan, um, and I, you know, like I don't, I know just as much about Kobe as I do about Allen Iverson and Dwayne Wade and LeBron James. Like I'm not a sports girl, but I know about certain things about them because of pop culture and because of just being around people who love sports. Yeah. So for me, I was sad about it, but I think it really struck a chord with me when they confirmed that his 13-year-old daughter, Gianna, was in um, the helicopter as well. They were on their way to a practice game, and um, there were uh, three other adults, I believe, Yes, because there was one entire family. There was a father and a mom and their daughter in the helicopter. And I think that it was reported that that family has two other older children. So, you know, I'm like, that's heartbreaking just to know that literally, like, could you imagine your entire, like, your entire immediate family yeah. is dead? No, I, I can't even fathom. That's why I didn't fully, I mean, I haven't even been on social media in like, yeah. two, like a week and a half, almost two weeks anyways. Yeah. I just can't. Ugh, I can't even myself to get on now just to see all that stuff on my timeline. It's just like yeah, I have especially because I already lost a brother, like, uh, yeah, and, grandpa and an, an uncle, and aunt, lost people fairly close, and it's just like ugh, just to try to relive that. I think that I don't like trying to go into that space. It's like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so yeah, and and so for me, I definitely um, I've been very fortunate that I I haven't had a lot of immediate close family members die. So I haven't had to really deal with a lot of those tragedies yet. I, I've only, the most tragic uh, for me is one of my friends passing away at, at a, in a very tragic car accident um, in California. Her car slid off of the road because of black ice. Um, and then like my mom's godmother passing. So, you know, like I've been very fortunate to be removed from death. And then the, the only two other major deaths for me were both of my grandmas, my great grandmothers passed within a year of each other. Um, but surrounded. yeah, my you know, brother, my brother got married in a month later. His wife was killed in the car accident. Oh my God. They got married, well, a little, maybe a little, they got married December 14th mm. and they, she got killed. I think today, the 20, the 26th or 27th of January. Wow. I was in, I remember all that Chandler Gilbert in college and I was in math. I was like 122. Yeah. Isn't that crazy how the details stick with you? And yeah. you're like, you I remember my sister that. calling me and she was like, she, she's dead. I was like, huh? I'm like, what? Yeah. See, she did. See, she, she, she died in a car accident. I was like, what? Like, oh my god, I just grabbed myself. I was like, my my sister in law just died in a car accident. I gotta go. Yeah. Like, 
Yeah. Still just puzzled, just, and I remember the, I was on like the second floor, just running down the stairs, like running to my car to the parking lot, like, what, what the fuck is going on? What? Yeah. What did she just say? Yeah, it, and it is so sad because Kobe was such a, a, a respected figure in, um, in basketball and, and a, a legend in his own right. You know, when we talk about basketball players that people feel like are the GOATs, I know that, that they called him the Black Mamba, they call him the GOAT, but you, you only really hear people talk about like Michael Jordan, um, I guess maybe Shaq. I don't really, again, I don't know much about sports, but I hear Michael Jordan. Yes, Kobe is an enough very well event, and you yeah. can't have a basketball and conversation Allen without him. Yes, I feel like back in the day it was all about Kobe, Allen Iverson. Of course, you always hear people talk about Michael Jordan because it's Michael Jordan. Um, and nowadays you hear so much about like Steph Curry, um, LeBron James, D-Wayne. and Dwayne Wade. Those are the main people that I just always hear about um, basketball wise. Uh, yeah, yeah, Kevin Durant as well. Um, but it's just sad. Like, my, my heart goes out to Vanessa Bryant because, you know, who knows how she's feeling right now. The only person I think right now who could probably relate to her, not the only person, but who's had a death very recent is Lauren London. And the whole thing with Nipsey Hussle and him being tragically slain down um, near his store. Um, so hopefully... Vanessa has people around her immediate family and even close friends that are there to just kind of comfort her and, and love on her. Um, because to not only lose a, a husband, but you just you lost, lost your daughter. Child. You lost your second born. You know, like this is it's it's sad because she was such a young girl and was following in her father's footsteps. Um, I was reading today that Kobe had trademarked Mamba Sita. For her, so that that would be her brand as she got older, because he's the Black Mamba, so she would be the Black Mamba Sita. Yeah, and I, oh, to their friends and family. That's yeah, just so sad. yeah, I cried so much yesterday, and finally, when I got in the shower, I got in the shower late last night, and I like as I was washing, I just prayed and I like cried, and I just let the water like run over me, and I was just like, when I step out of the shower, I'm going to let it go. Like, because I can't carry this heaviness. And, you know, there's, there is something to say about people whose legacy is so impactful like that, that people who don't even know them. You know, I, again, I'm not a fan of basketball. I don't know much about Kobe Bryant, but I'm an impact. So just to even know that he died the way he did, it's sad for me. Yeah. Um, it takes a toll on you mentally, emotionally, and then you find yourself grieving for somebody you don't even know. Exactly. And so I had to really just pray for for myself. I prayed for his family. I prayed for his fans and supporters and friends um, because it's just, it's overall a tragedy. And I'm really hoping that going forward, I know they said that they're going to honor him next year um, as a... Um, a Hall of Famer, so I think that that's amazing. They already at the Grammys were giving him so much tribute, and the Grammys was at the Staples Center this Sunday, and they went ahead and blocked off all of the jerseys except for his, number 8 and number 24. And so I thought that that was beautiful as well. So, you know, it's very obvious that he was very loved, well-respected, mm-hmm. 
and it, the entire community is like mourning right now. So um, in honor of Kobe, I decided it would be fun if we talked about black athletic movies or movies that were starring um, strong black leads that had like athletic movies. So um, do you have any in mind, because I can give you a few, but do you have any in mind that, that come to your mind that are like a favorite athletic movie of yours? A favorite? I mean, yeah. I've watched some, but I want to say favorite, favorite. But I mean, I'm pretty sure we saw like the most uh, obvious ones like Love and Basketball, mm -hmm. Bring It On, Yeah, um, Coach Carter. Yes, I love Coach Carter. Um, um, so I'm going to run down, um, run down some of the names for those who... Cause some of these I forgot were, you know, athletic films. Um, so let's go down the list that I had. Okay, so of course, Remember the Titans. And although the oh, entire yeah. cast of Remember the Titans is not, like, you know, there's a white cast there. Um, it, it, to me, is just a film that maybe is not considered a black film, but it's a staple. A lot of us love Remember the Titans because of the performance that Denzel and Wood Harris put on. Um, white Men Can't Jump. Um, let's see, The Express, which was about, um, oh my God, well, who is that about? Uh, Ernie Davis, the Ernie Davis story. Um, there is The Blind Side, which I love, and... Oh, I remember that movie, that was, that movie was sad. Yeah, it was, I, I love that movie, though. I think I might have cried. <laughs> I did, I saw The Blind Side in theaters, and I remember being like, oh my god, I love that, I gotta see it again, and, um, I think I did go see it twice, because I really, well, first of all, I'm a big Sandra Bullock fan, so what I like... Did you know in the movie? Did you know that there was a black guy in your picture? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, you know, there's the comedy film Rebound with Martin Lawrence. One of my favorite films, who I think is underrated when we talk about athletic films, is Pride. And that was with Terrence Howard and um, I believe Bernie Mac. And that was about the swim team. Oh um, yes, I did watch that one. Yes, I loved like, that. Like film. a school, and they went to compete with like mm -hmm. white schools. And all yes. That kind of stuff. Yep. That was. Um, that also had Nate Parker. What year did that come out? I remember that came out in 2007. Okay, yeah. Yeah, 2007. I was like, what, a junior? What, 17? Sophomore. Yeah, yeah sophomore. Sophomore mm -hmm. to junior. Um, what other, there were a few other, let me look on my phone, because I had a few other that cool I had. Yeah, Cool Runnings, that was one of them. The Joanna Man. Oh my God, yes. Like first my... of all, oh my God, yes. So first of all, Joanna Man was a film that I was like obsessed with. I remember when my mom bought that DVD for us, like... Really? I, I watched that movie every day. I like really liked that movie. Um, that was I didn't even think of that because that wasn't even on one of my lists. Like one of the oh, Space Jam. Oh uh, yes, yeah, Space Jam. Yep. Um, Glory Road, which was a good basketball movie that was about the 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 first like not the Harlem Globetrotters, but it was kind of like a team like that or whatever. Um, he got game, which I love. One of oh, my yeah, favorite Spike Lee's. Yes, I love that movie. Like and that's about who again? Oh. That was with Denzel Washington. It was about uh, Jesus Shuttleworth. That was his name, the kid. Oh, no, but it was based off of like a was it Rondo? Oh, based off of like a real movie. Yeah. Like, oh, I didn't know that. Um, I, was it something Rondo. I didn't. I'm I pretty sure it, it was like 
based on his life, I believe. I had no clue. I just never, I never looked up the, it says it's an American sports drama film written, produced by Spike Lee. It revolves around Jake Shuttlesworth and the father of the top ranked basketball player and the prospect Jesus Shuttleworth. Um, I think that's, uh, oh, what was that say? Ray like, Allen. Ray, Ray Allen is a yeah, okay, basketball yes. player. Yeah, somebody. I knew it was some basketball player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was obsessed with that movie. Because I think he played for um, the Celtics. Does he? I think he played for the Celtics. Hey, no, remember, listen, you know I remember. I remember oh, he does. Like, he did. was obsessed with the Celtics at one point, And she was literally watched that movie over and over and over and over. Yeah, he, um, he played for the Celtics. And then he went on to play for Miami Heat, okay. according to Wikipedia. Um, but yes, I loved. I, I I can watch He Got Game over and over. That is definitely a movie um, that I never. I never. It's weird because I like films where they don't feel like um, the genre that they're supposed to be. And for me, He Got Game, even though it is a sports drama, it just feels like a drama film um, because, of course, Denzel takes it there to another level. Um, and in that movie, you can see a young, um, oh, man, what was his name? Jade Yorker, who was in um, Gridiron Gang, which is another um you never seen with The Rock? Mm-mm. Gridiron Gang. So first of all, Gridiron Gang has a young Omari Hardwick in it. I never realized that really? until I went Google back and watched it. Yeah. Yeah. Gridiron Gang um, was was like one of my favorites at the time because I was obsessed with Jade Yorker, who plays the lead character. Um, I just thought he was so fine. <laughs> um, so yeah, Gridiron Gang had Exhibit. It had Exhibit, um, that's Jade Yorker, um, The Rock. Uh, the other guy's name, there's a, quite a few. No, I think Omari Hardwick's character was one of the gang members at the beginning. So I don't remember him being like fully in it, the whole thing. But there were like quite a, a few cameo. younger. Yeah, there were quite a few younger. What did it say, budget 30 million? 30 million, which is pretty decent. Yeah, that was pretty Please decent. 2006. Um, let me look at the cast because there was, who, who's all in the cast? Of course, Exhibit. There was, there was a young, oh, Brandon Michael Smith. He played Bug. I don't know if you recognize him. I think he used to be on, like, Disney. Mm-hmm. Um, Jamal Mixon, which is one of the, the, the twins, the, the, oh. the bigger guys that yeah. you would always see. And, like, Growing up, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Of course, there was Journey Smollett in it. Michael J. Payton, who was my boo. I, from Up, Up, and Away, I loved him growing up. <laughs> um, Mo oh, McRae. There you go right there. Yep, i Hardwick. Mo McRae, um, who's a great actor. He was recently in um, The First Purge, I believe. He's a good actor, underrated, like, up and coming. There was quite a few, like, younger people whose careers hadn't been established yet that you, like, when you watch it, um... You'll see. You'll recognize people. Give me your hands, sister. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that movie scene. was so crazy growing up. Like yeah. watching that, like oh, he's by you. He's by you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Gridiron Gang was one of them that I like, loved, was obsessed with, watched over and over and over again. Um, was another film. I would say. I think if I had to say my like top five. Oh, okay. Let me see. I would say he got game above the rim. Um, Gridiron Gang, 
remember the t the Titans and then okay so this is technically not a athletic film but I consider dancers athletes so I'm just gonna say stop the art because <laughs> let me guess Chris Brown no no okay so I think that I think um, for me you know we don't give dancers enough credit as athletes um, especially like dancers who are professional um competitors like they go to competitions and so like stop the yard is just like one of my favorite films and you know in high school i was on the step team uh vibe i was on well that's so it's funny because that step team formed the year that stomp the yard came out like immediately oh my god remember day that. now oh <laughs> Yeah, so we were, me and Kevin were in a dance group. This is a little bit off topic, but me and Kevin were in a dance group called Day Now, which stood for Dances If No One's Watching. And that formed because of his cousin Julian and our friend Xavier. And then we just all go to the, the Boys, Boys and Girls, Girls Club. Club. Yeah, Boys and Girls Club after school. And, <laughs> and um, we would dance and our coach, Bernie. Bernie, Bernie Young. Yeah, and um, our choreographer, um, Brandon. What was his last name? Child. I don't know. Who knows? I quit because of Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when the other side of the old building? Oh, in yeah. That, that one. We used to practice in this little, this tiny ass dance room that like had a bunch of chairs in it and they let us clear out and we would go. It was like a yellow room, hot as hell. And um, at the time, there was renovations being done on the, the Boys and Girls Club that took years. You know what I think about it? That room is like something that you see in a movie where like, the people who have come from nothing, oh, yeah. and then they like make it to the big stage. Yeah, yeah, because then no, by to the song to Marina. Oh my god! Yeah, we we we. So we were a competing dance group, and we got we did two. I think we did like three different things in Chandler. We danced at the Chandler Performing Arts Center, I believe. We danced um, in Marina at Marina, like which was like a college. Was that no? That was a high school thing, right? Yeah. That was a we high school related. Yeah. But then we, we did were like do juniors or seniors. Yes. Yeah. But then remember we did do the college thing. Um Chandler Gilbert. Was that Chandler Gilbert or whatever it was? When we did that, when we lost to that team, or we came in second or whatever that was. Oh, we did do the performance, I think, at Chandler Gilbert. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, we did that. And then we also did that thing when they broke ground on the Boys and Girls Club. And we did that with that little tiny stage that oh, we were on. Yeah. Man, if um, I can I I wish I wish that like I could just insert clips for y'all to see because the thing about it, like for me, I, at the time I took dance very seriously because I thought I was gonna go on to be a professional dancer. And um being the only plus size one on the team, sometimes I felt singled out by our choreographer, Brandon, because he would be like, you're not doing this fast enough and you're being lazy, da 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 So the year that I ended up quitting was the same year that I went to Debbie Allen's Dance Academy and I danced there for the first time. We had long eight hour days for a week straight. And I remember coming back to Arizona and like feeling so empowered because I felt like, oh, my dance coach, is calling me lazy and says this is and this, but I just went to California and danced with Debbie Allen. Yeah, motherfucking Allen. <laughs> yeah, I'm like I just went to California and danced with all these famous choreographers, and I was doing eight hour days and thugging it out, like broken toenails, hurt. You know, like I remember my Less toenails. I had I had feet blisters that after that week. I remember I um, 
I had my, like, I don't remember how, but my toenail got bruised and then, you know, like got blood or whatever. And then it eventually like came off um, because I was dancing so much. Um, and, you know, and I went and I won the dance battle the first year that I went. So I came back kind of with like, uh, I don't want to say cocky, but more like you can't. Yeah, yeah. Some adrenaline. Yeah, I was like, you can't tell me nothing. Like, I'm, I'm. Back, back, bitch. Watch me work. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but I th- definitely, um, I was saying out of the, the, the top five for me would probably be above the rim. He got game. Remember the Titans, Gridiron Gang, and um, what was the other one that I said? I'm st- I'm somewhere between like Coach Carter and um, Love and Basketball, cause Coach Carter is just phenomenal to me. Like that's that's one of those films that like you watch for inspiration. I believe like I loved Samuel Jackson's performance in it. I also love Timo Cruz who. Yeah, he's he's like, um, we are, we are not our inadequacies or our our worst feels or fears or something like that. Mm -hmm. But I love that speech. It always gets me choked up. Um, and then of course, you know, you see young Ashanti in there, um, of freaking, um, what you call it from the step up movies to, uh, what's his name? Cause that was him in that movie. Um, I can't think of that man's name. What was his name? What was his name? What was his name? Um, Channing Tatum. He was the he was the white guy, like the only white guy. He played Jason Mm -hmm. Lyle. Yeah. Um, But yeah, Octavia Spencer is in it. Like it was such a good movie. Oh, Radio is another. I guess you could say athletic film in a sense because it involves a lot of football. Um, I was laughing on parts of my movie I shouldn't have. When oh he my god! Out that shed and he fell. Oh my god! I was laughing. I you're you're me, going now. <laughs> oh my god! How could I forget Hardball? Hardball. We go into the, the ship. ship. We, we go, go into, into the, the ship. ship. Yes. The Hardball ship. was my movie for three reasons: Michael B. Jordan, Michael B. Jordan, and Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> A, B, and C, C, and D, all of the above. Okay. Um, a lot of people probably, I don't know how many people know that Michael B. Jordan is in there, but he is in there. He is the reason that, um, what you call it, gets shot. Lil, what's his name? Lil G-Baby. Yeah, Lil G-Baby. G-Baby. Yeah, he's the reason that G-Baby gets shot because he tells them they can't go in the building. He tells uh, G-Baby and his brother Kofi they can't go in the building. And then so they like, oh, we going to go around back. And then the, the dudes come out shooting, and then all of a sudden, G-Baby is dead. Um, dead as hell. <laughs> dead baby. Stop! <laughs> oh, my God. I cannot with you. Oh, my goodness. Um, but, yeah, so those for me, <laughs> dang, now I feel like if I had to put my, I have to take something out of my top five and put Hardball in there. So, so many good ones. There's The Hurricane with um, Denzel Washington, which is with the movie where he's a, playing a boxer that's wrongfully accused. And um, he's in jail, trying to get out of jail. Um, such a good movie. Um, there's so many, so many great black films and films with, like, really strong black leads. Oh, there's that other movie with Taraji called From the Rough about the girls that play golf. That's another one. And that has um, Michael Duncan in it. Um but it, uh, what is, is that his name? Yeah, Michael Clark Duncan, sorry. Latoya Luckett, there's quite a few people. There's so many, there's actually a movie on Hulu with um, Regina. Sure what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> Latoya Luckett, girl. Oh my God, 
I cannot. There's the a teacher Victor. They did her foul. There's a movie with Regina. Is it Regina King or Regina Hall? I always get them mixed up. I know this is terrible. All black people don't look alike. Um, yeah, I think it's Regina Hall where she plays a coach. It's on Hulu. She plays a coach for a. Is it a golf team? Maybe it's Regina King. No, I think it's Regina Hall. I think maybe I don't know. If I find it, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you guys about it. But anyways, yeah. So rest in peace to Kobe Bryant. Um, yes, rest in peace. peace to Gianna Bryant and all of the other seven victims who were um, in the crash. I hope that his legacy continues to live on and that um, he and his daughter are uplifted every day, you know, in some way, and that his um, his family has the support, the necessary support. Prayers up for his wife, Vanessa, and his other three daughters, because unfortunately, he his Vanessa just gave birth to a baby like less than seven months ago, so now it's like her youngest daughter is going to grow up and not even know her daddy. You know, like only going to know her dad through films and, mm-hmm. you know, social media and what people have to say. Not even about... a picture with them together. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that's yeah, a very unfortunate. Get to hold me. That's so sad. <laughs> yeah, it is. It that is. is so heartbreaking. Um, But this episode is almost over. This actually, I feel like this is a short episode. Oh, no, we're right on time. We're right on time. Okay, cool. Um, So finally, before I go, I was going to do a film review, but I'll actually save that for the next episode. But um, just to let you guys know, I want you to sit back and watch these shows and films that are coming out. So there is this film called Jezebel on Netflix. It was at the American Black Film Festival last year. I did not get to see it, so I am going to um, watch it soon i'm probably gonna watch it either tonight or sometime this weekend um but it is a semi-autobiographical drama written film sorry written and directed by numa Perrier, and it's starring actress tiffany tenille tiffany is very new on the scene it follows a 19 year old girl also named tiffany who begins to do sex work as a cam girl to financially support herself oh her too Shut up. I can't. Um, Jezebel premiered at South by Southwest in uh, March 9th in 2019. And from there, it has basically grown into um, this this amazing film that has now been put on Netflix platform. So congratulations to the the director and writer, Numa Perrier. They were at um, the American Black Film Festival last year. I got to see them win an award at the American Black Film Festival. So that was like amazing to watch so you know something happen and to be in the presence actually right and I actually remember the the star of the the film um Tiffany she came I remember she was passing out flyers at the convention center thing and I remember she was like are you guys gonna come see Jezebel we were like yeah and we were gonna go but then I think Jezebel happened to be showing while um uh, there was an important talk that we were going to go to so i didn't get to see it but i'm going to stream it and give you those streams congratulations to everybody that's a part of that project um i love to see black filmmakers and writers winning also as a reminder monique and friends live from atlanta is coming out on february 7th so you make sure you sit black and watch that and also Issa rays the photograph is coming out february 14th I am so excited about this film. Um, 
I am doing my best to figure out how I can get Issa Rae on this show to talk about the photograph because, one, y'all know I love Issa. So if y'all know somebody that knows Issa, I would love to get her on this show and interview her about that. Oh, um, please. I'll fly out to New York and I'll be part of that. <laughs> Listen. I'll serve her water, ice chips, something great. <laughs> like, like, would you like a crumb? A crumb of ice? Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about that. You know, I love black romance films I'm in the process of writing my own romance film and that is the genre that I want to explore as a writer and director so for me I hope that this is the kickoff to that era of black romance films and black rom-coms because it is what is so dearly needed I feel like when we talk about representations among, among black people yes we have so many slave films we have so many films about social injustice let's get back to the films about black love black romance and then not being struggle love black unity yes <laughs> Okay, so yeah, um, thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode. Thank you, Kevin, for being my guest today. No problem, Taisha. Thank you um, for having me. And we'll come back to you on another episode. We're going to talk about power because we've already seen the last episode of power. Yeah, we know what's good. We, we know already what know what's happening. And um, I'm really excited for Power Book 2. I think that's going to be coming out next year. I did see that Joseph Sakura, who plays Tommy, may possibly be getting his own spinoff. So I'm really excited about that as well. Um, so we're going to come back to you on another episode to talk about power. But again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I always appreciate you guys for listening. Please give me your feedback. Let me know how you like the episode. You can follow me on uh, Instagram at Afrovocative. That's A-F-R-O-V-O-C-A-T-I-V-E. Or you can follow the Sit Black and Watch Instagram page at Sit Black Watch. So that's S-I-T-B-L-A-C-K-W-A-T-C-H. Sit Black Watch. Or you can just type it in in the search bar, Sit Black and Watch. Um, yeah, I will see you guys next week. Have a great weekend. <laughs>